and this is separated into two. Attachment to true existence of a self and attachment to true existence of phenomena. In the first instance, the attachment to a true existence of the self, this is where we believe the self to be independent or permanent. And if we recall dependent origination and cause and effect, we know that nothing happens without relying on something else, without the coming together of causes and conditions. Our existence depends on so many things. Depends on food, water, air. Really, so many causes and conditions coming together. What do we do? We attach to the five aggregates as a self. And if we investigate, we'll find that these five aggregates, not one of them is permanent. Every one of these five aggregates is impermanent, is changing. Later on, as we progress into our practices, there may be analyses or meditation practices where we investigate. We investigate where exactly is this I? Where exactly is this I physically? And where exactly is this mind of ours? And these practices will help us to loosen, uh, to let go of this strong attachment grasping to this I. Because of our ignorance, we attach to this I, and as a result, the five afflictions arise, and we discriminate against other people, or we attach to other people, we label them as enemies or friends, it depends on whether they agree with us, or whether they disagree with us, or they challenge the sense of I, or they accord with our sense of I. And the result is, is that we experience all kinds of unhappinesses or uh, all kinds of happinesses. The problems with the, these happinesses are that they are temporary and they will sometime change again. And when they change, it brings a sense of suffering very often. Or the suffering comes because we worry about this change. How many people do you hear saying, I can't wait for my happiness to come to an end? But many people worry about when this happiness might come to an end. And so we pursue happiness to satisfy this mind of ours. And where do we pursue it? Externally, in the material world. We pursue it in the food that we eat, going out to eat in nice places, eating good food, in our relationships with friends, family, loved ones. Pursue entertaining things to do, go to movies, go to concerts, find hobbies that entertain us. And from doing all of these things, we have a sense of satisfaction. And when it goes wrong, and we don't achieve what we want to do, something gets in the way of what we want to achieve, somebody takes it away from us, 
we feel unhappy or depressed or cheated or we have a sense of loss or a sense of dissatisfaction. And this pursuit of happiness externally is like drinking salt water. The more we drink, the thirstier we become. It would be really nice to have one house to live in. And then when we have one house to live in, it would be really nice to have one house to live in and one holiday home. As soon as we get what we want, we're happy for a little while, and then the mind gets bored and we start dreaming about or fantasizing or pursuing something else. And just what has changed is just like with the one house, when that is not enough, what has changed is, isn't the house that has changed. What's changed is our state of mind and how we perceive the house or how nice it might be to have something else as well. So the changes are happening in our mind, the satisfaction or the dissatisfaction. And as things improve and things are going well, then different worries arise. And if we don't achieve what we wanted to, we're upset. Sometimes when we achieve what we wanted to, we're still upset. We're not satisfied. It wasn't what we expected. Or somebody takes it away. Or something takes it away. For instance, we are getting a lot of money on the stock market and then the stock market collapses. And then all of a sudden there's a lot of worries and anxieties and hurt. Or that relationship that was going so well is now having problems. The person leaves us. And so we carry on through life, never truly being satisfied. And this continues until our dying day. Experiencing different waves of happiness and joy and pleasure and disappointment and sense of loss and unhappiness and dissatisfaction, and we go up and down, up and down. With our dualistic thinking and our discriminatory thoughts, we perceive the world differently. What are the causes us for perceiving the world differently? This is depending on our previous karma. And these perceptions we mentioned, I think, before in uh, the concept of samsara, where the six realms experience water differently. We can see this, how some people may perceive um, something differently, like maybe a motor vehicle, maybe somebody is a Toyota. And for somebody who is very poor or somebody who has never had a car before and this is their first car, they might think, wow, this is just so incredible. How wonderful, how fortunate I am. This is great. And to somebody who has had a car before, maybe a Toyota or a similar value or standard car, well, they'd be quite okay with this, quite happy with it, but they wouldn't be as happy as the person who was getting their first car or who was very poor before. And similarly, to somebody that's very rich, they might think, oh, this is so embarrassing, this is so terrible, I feel so unfortunate that I'm driving a Toyota. They were used to driving a Rolls Royce before, and now they're thinking, what has happened to me? What has come of my life? This is just so degrading. The car is the same, just the way different people perceive it is very different.
another experience of this is how we experience or an example of this is how we experience death if you look around and there's somebody that's quite dear to you somebody close to you a very good friend a relative maybe your loved one if they had to pass away something happened to them rather suddenly um, you'd be quite unhappy it would cause uh, an element of grief or a lot of grief and this grief and unhappiness would come about because of your attachment to them. Now, if it was the case that it was your own life, your own body that was going to be sacrificed or that you were going to die, your suffering may be even much greater. And why would it be more, much greater? Is because your self-clinging, your attachment to yourself is greater than your attachment to your friend or your relative. And then if we consider that maybe there are people dying that you don't know, there are people dying every day that we don't know, or even if we know them but we didn't have a close connection to them, then we might not feel much grief at all. And this is because we have no attachment or grasping or clinging to them. From this we also see the greater our attachment, the greater our suffering. When trivial events in life occur, we don't really have much suffering because we're not really attached to these so much. But when something serious, something drastic, maybe something life-threatening happens or something that's really going to take away a lot of our wealth or a large percentage of our wealth or a very important relationship to us, then we have a lot of attachment, a lot of grasping, and then we experience a lot of suffering. On the contrary, when we don't have a lot of self-clinging, a lot of attachment, our mind is very open and we're very relaxed. You'll often hear the saying, let go. Let go is liberation. All of the suffering doesn't come about because the material world is attached to us. It comes about because of our own state of mind it's because we are attached to the material world. It's quite simple, really. Just let go. Let go of this attachment. 